This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now it's time to talk about Afghan girls. It's been a little more than a year since the Taliban decreed that Afghan girls don't need to be educated past sixth grade. But there's one boarding school for Afghan girls that escaped from Kabul as the Americans withdrew and the Taliban took over. Its students now study together in exile in Africa. That's the work of an amazing person, Shabana Basij Rasik. She's the founder of SOLA, S-O-L-A, the School of Leadership Afghanistan. It was featured recently on 60 Minutes in, in The New Yorker. Her TED Talk in 2021 has had more than 2 million viewers. And she's a contributing columnist at The Washington Post. This week, she's visiting California, where she joins us now. Shabana, welcome back. It's a pleasure to be back. Thank you, John. Before we get to the story of how you got your students and staff out of Kabul in those chaotic days when the Taliban had the airport surrounded, let's talk about the recent history of education for girls in Afghanistan. Maybe let's start with your own education. I was born and raised in Kabul, Afghanistan. And during my childhood, the first Taliban regime came to power in 1996. The regime collapsed uh, shortly after 9-11. During that time period, um, they made education for girls illegal. And so I grew up during that time and was incredibly fortunate because my parents decided that it was uh, riskier to raise their children, especially their daughters, without an education. So they took that risk, um, that enormous risk to themselves and all of us. Um, to make sure that my sisters and I received an education under the, under the Taliban regime, which meant um, that my sisters and I um, attended secret schools. These are underground schools that um, were operated by some of the most remarkably brave Afghan women who also um, decided that uh, it was riskier for uh, the Afghan society um, to have a generation of Afghan girls uh, without access to education than to risk the, their lives and the lives of their families to open up their living rooms to educating Afghan girls. And, and that's how I received my first uh, six years of uh, education, attending a number of different uh, secret underground schools during the Taliban regime. So I understand that when the Taliban were overthrown in 2001, there were no girls officially in elementary school in Afghanistan. 20 years later, uh, how many Afghan girls were going to school? We had more than uh, 3 million girls um, in, uh, in schools um, after the fall of um, Taliban. So you founded SOLA in 2008. Eventually, it became a boarding school, the only boarding school in Afghanistan for girls. What was SOLA like, say, a year before the Taliban arrived? Uh, honestly, I uh, want to take you to the beginning of 2021, the year the Taliban arrived in Afghanistan. January of 2021, uh, we had received a record number of uh, application uh, from Afghan students across the country, uh, close to 300 application from 31 of the 34 provinces for um, a um, sixth grade cohort of initially 16 students that we would admit, but later decided to admit 25 
In addition to um, the normal application that we received, what we found was that uh, more than uh, 30 of the applicants to SOLA that year were Afghan girls who had never, ever been to school. Someone from their family or relatives or uh, supporters or some guardian had filled out an application on, on their behalf saying here here is someone who's 12 or 13 or 14 or 10 years old who has never had an opportunity to go to school because the district where she lived for instance had been constantly contested between the Afghan government and the Taliban forces and so uh, as a result girls um schooling uh, remain um closed and so we looked at 30 of those applications and decided we uh, wanted to admit a small cohort of uh, about five girls um, who had never been to school and that we would work with them in an expeditious way to uh, bring them up to speed in a matter of a couple of years before they can start with our sixth grade. So that was the beginning of 2021. We admitted a cohort. Uh, our new academic year started in March uh, late March of uh, 2021, um, despite COVID and that being prevalent, um, vaccinations being limited in Afghanistan, we managed to welcome our students safely, um, quarantine them, create a bu- COVID bubbles, uh, you know, safe space mm-hmm. on campus, and they were able to continue with their education. Uh, and then, and then August came around, and obviously, so August. August 2021, everybody had known the Americans were leaving, but nobody realized how fast the Taliban would arrive and how chaotic life in Kabul would become in that last week. Kabul fell on August 15th, and these were the days when getting even a single person through the panicked crowds outside the airports and through the Taliban checkpoint seemed nearly impossible. But you got 100 girls and 150 teachers, staff, and family members out. How did you do it? It didn't start in August. Our preparation started right after the announcement made by the um, U.S. government in April of 2021 of unconditional withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan. I knew, John, that it was a matter of time before it would be irresponsible of us to um, operate a boarding school for Afghan girls inside the country. Even with that, the possibility of Taliban takeover and that that quickly was not something that had entered my imagination, quite frankly. Um, a lot of people that I spoke with, whether that was in Washington, D.C. or Kabul City, there were other scenarios that kept coming up. Those scenarios still concern me because our students really um, did come to us from 28 of the 34 provinces. So I worried about their safety, about road safety as they would go home from the school for vacation and so on. And so um, the, the, the idea that made most sense uh, was let's engage all of our students and our community in a study abroad program, whether that lasts six months or a year, it will give our community an opportunity to be in a safe place to provide our students continuity of learning and to make sure that they they don't have disruption to their learning as we figure out what happens politically in in inside the country and so with that uh, we uh, engaged in a number of conversations about where we would take our study abroad program a neighboring country made most sense because of familiarity proximity etc 
But uh, the reality was that so many of our neighboring countries were already overwhelmed by the number of Afghans who were quickly becoming refugees in those countries. We weren't making much of a, a traction in, in those conversations. And so out of the blue, the option that came became our reality was um, taking our entire school community to Rwanda, an East African nation that is uh, in so many ways a remarkable home for solar community now. Uh, and tell us, please, the story of how you got everybody into the airport through the chaotic crowds and checkpoints. We initially were supposed to be departing Afghanistan on our own um, chartered flights uh, out of Kabul City um, on August, uh, just a few days after um, the 15th. As we were finalizing those plans, of, of course, Kabul fell to the control of Taliban on the 15th and turned our um, carefully planned study abroad program into a traumatic uh, evacuation out of uh, Afghanistan. But uh, we um, really uh, couldn't present as a, as a school community getting out. And so our students and our faculty and staff member and their family members really um, showed up uh, at the airport as family units. And this is because the Taliban would not have allowed a large group of girls to leave altogether. Yes, but at the same time, you know, we we weren't just trying our luck. We had um, I had been in conversation with the U.S. government and also the government of uh, Qatar for quite some time, and um, they were instrumental in in our success. You know, that they had they were the ones ultimately giving lists of names of people who would get out of the country, and our community members, our students, and family members, and so on, they were put on that list. And fortunately, initially, the the idea was that we would all leave in the same day. But because of the chaos of the crowd, as you are very well familiar with, it ended up taking um, three days uh, for our entire community to get out. And I look at all of this, it was a, it was an incredibly difficult uh, experience for everyone. Uh, but simultaneously and immediately, I think about how lucky and fortunate um, our community members were, are, um, that they managed to get out of Afghanistan and that our students are able to uh, focus on their studies or their, um, you know, for every day that is counted as the number of days the Taliban have banned Afghan girls from education, those are the exact number of days our students have been able to stay in school and uh, continue with their education. And um, they are fortunate. They are lucky. They know it. Um, they feel guilty about it. They have the survivor's guilt. Um, and I know that it's a combination of all of this and the reality that will keep their focus on Afghanistan. And my hope is that as they uh, continue on with their education and one day become young professional uh, women, Afghan women in exile, that as soon as the opportunity is presented to them to be able to go back to Afghanistan and be part of the rebuilding of our nation, that um, that they will do that. And what's it like for your students now that they are living and studying at Sola in Kigali? 
you know, uh, <laughs> if I if I um, answer that from the perspective of our students, uh, they're they're quite busy. Um, they have a <laughs> they have a uh, they have quite a robust uh, schedule, a daily schedule that uh, you know covers um, athletics and activities. And before they get uh, into classes, they have this remarkable assembly that happens every morning. And it's such a grounding experience because they start the day by how they used to start the day in Afghanistan, reciting the 99 names of God and Prophet Muhammad and singing the Afghan national anthem. And it's entirely student-led and they they share their high points from the day before. Most recently, I was sitting through and, um, you know, students would talk about my high point was finishing my uh, math project or my um, Pashto project, uh, one of the languages spoken in Afghanistan, or uh, one of them talked about uh, her high point being um, reading the student handbook uh, with her roommate, <laughs> which I thought was pretty interesting. <laughs> and then they are they off they go to classes and they have afternoon activities and they get a bit of a chance uh, every day to be able to check in with their families, uh, whether that's a video call or a regular phone call and you know then it's a boarding school so they have dinner and a study hall and uh, light out and so that keeps the girls quite busy but uh, the the part that really is fascinating is their engagement with other uh, schools in Rwanda um, they've had some remarkable opportunities to engage with other Rwandan students through various school activities and that's always the highlight for the girls that and exploring the country. Rwanda is a beautiful country. And for our students to have the opportunity um, to go on these trips, it's it's been truly remarkable. And what is the future of SOLA? The future of SOLA is one that will, in the long run, uh, put an end to Taliban and their ideology. Um, because SOLA's mission was, is, and always will be to educate Afghan girls. And that commitment for us in the long run is uh, one of the most effective ways to eradicate um, Taliban and that kind of ideology, not just from Afghanistan, but from the region. So we are now in the process of establishing uh, permanence in Rwanda. We're focused on more than doubling our student population um, in the next couple of years in Rwanda. And we're looking at, uh, we have some really grand plans that I'm hoping to be able to announce more publicly and share more publicly soon. But John, we are, every single day we're working to uh, make sure that we create opportunities for Afghan girls, those who can come to us, to our boarding school in Rwanda. And for those who cannot come to us, how, how do we figure out the best way to get a quality education to them, whether they're inside Afghanistan or outside of the country, so that these young women, as they receive an education, they are truly the future of Afghanistan. They will be instrumental in uh, rebuilding uh, Afghanistan. And I am very sure that they will play a significant role in that. And in the meantime, what's it like right now for girls in Afghanistan? Having lived through the first Taliban regime, I still cannot pretend to fully understand what it must be like uh, for Afghan girls to be living under the current Taliban regime. 
uh, for, for Afghan women. But what I can tell you is that for a lot of them, Afghanistan has become a living hell. Women and girls are denied their dignity as human beings. They are denied their most basic human rights, their most basic Islamic rights um, to exist, to be. And yet they are the most committed, the bravest group of people across all groups in Afghanistan, across all ethnic groups. These are some of the most remarkable, brave women who continue to fight, who continue to protest, knowing that the next day their dead bodies could appear uh, mm-hmm. in a dumpster. And yet they continue to um, speak up, to raise their voices. And they fight, they have organized, they um, operate secret schools. Um, they have turned their homes into um, educational centers for girls in their communities women, educated women who have never been educators themselves, who are professional women, have now become educators because for them, all they talk about is that right now it's a matter of transferring what we know, our knowledge to other girls. And that's what matters. And that's what they engage in. And it's really important that people here, especially here in the United States, know that. Um, the reality is that people in Afghanistan are fighting hard um, against this uh, group, a small minority of group that is not representative of Afghans. And Afghanistan is a beautifully diverse country, and the Taliban uh, don't represent any any of us. And and so, along with our community here in exile, I look inside Afghanistan for inspiration, but I also know that for people who are inside Afghanistan, for women who are fighting really hard, it matters for them when the world pays attention to what they're doing. They want to make sure that the world is not looking away, and I urge people not to look away. Don't look away. Shabana Basij Rasik is the founder of SOLA, the School of Leadership Afghanistan. Shabana, thank you for your amazing work, and thanks for talking with us today. Thank you for having me, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 